If you were among the hundreds of thousands still who pick up a print edition of the Sunday Tribune, you found in there my story about a book titled Writing Gatsby, the real story of the writing of the greatest American novels by the very prolific, very prolific, just prolific, William Elliot Hazelgrove. Bill, how are you? I'm doing great. Did I do you in the book Justice in print? Oh, fantastic article! Fantastic, it was great. Beautiful. Well, it's a it's a it's a wonderful book, and I'm sure, as you told me when we talked on the phone last week, that you're getting it's not pushback, but you're probably getting a ton of people saying, "Wait a minute, that's not the greatest one." You know, "Call of the Wilds" the greatest, or "Hemingway is the best." Uh, you must be. You can't make a a claim like that, which you do persuasively, and uh, and not hear from people. Well, you know, your intro to your piece in the Tribune said it all. Um, when the gentleman who you referenced uh, back in the 19th century said, the great American novel is defined by catching a piece of Americana and sort of freezing it and saying, this is American life. Uh, Huckleberry Finn did that, I would, I would argue. And that he did that for the 19th century, and Gatsby did it for the 20th century. And so that's where I come at that saying it's the greatest American novel because I think Fitzgerald did grab uh, that new urban landscape of the 20s where we were just beginning to have this urban culture and he froze it for all time with all its foibles and all its heartbreak and tragedy. One of the things, there were so many things that I know about Gatsby and Fitzgerald, but you you, you reinvigorated uh, his life, uh, even as, as it kind of was on a downhill, downhill spiral. It amazes me in, in some ways. You write in here that the great Gatsby, the writing begins in, in the hot sands of the Riviera in the summer of 1924 and ends 11 months later on April 10th. 1925, when the book is published, Fitzgerald was not the uh, disciplined writer. Or was he, Bill? Was he dis? I mean, you had to be incredibly disciplined to write any kind of book, uh, as you well know. Uh, but his life was, was not the uh, calmest, was it? No, no. He he was a full-blown alcoholic. He and uh, Zelda, his very young wife, were just whooping it up on Long Island. And he literally left. He left because he just couldn't stop these people from coming out to New York, out to his place, and these parties would go for days. So they slip away on a liner, you know, over to France, over to the Riviera. He stakes himself enough money because he's writing for the slicks, which are, for your audience, Saturday Evening Post and these big magazines, because believe it or not, short fiction paid very well. He very well, 4, yeah. yeah. 4000 a story, which is like 20000 today. And so, but, but it was a grind because he and Zelda were, you know, living this lavish lifestyle. So he finally squirrels away seven grand, and he goes over saying, you know, this is it. I'm going to stake my claim here in the Sands of the Riviera, and for seven months, I'm just going to write this elusive third novel that will take me out financially, you know, make me financially successful, and critically put me put me over the top critically. And so that that is in that seven months. What I focus on is is, is you know what happens, how he does it, and then, of course what happens when it comes out. Uh, well, it is, and it's a remarkable book. You tell me again, Bill, how this book really 
came to be as important. You've read it now. You tell me some you haven't counted. You didn't keep a track, but somewhere between twenty and twenty-five times. You know, you as yeah. many as many of you, us did, and people listening out there, you probably first read it in high school, and uh, then decided at some point after going to college that you wanted to become a writer, and you reread it, and it it affected you really. Then did it not? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I, as I told you in our interview, I read This Side of Paradise, and I didn't know most of the words. This is after having a master's in history. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, so, so Fitzgerald's first novel, I realized then I had to go back and reread all the classics. So I did. I, I, I did that. I read all of Fitzgerald. I did reread The Great Gatsby. And, and again, I thought, you know, what a perfect little 50,000-word novel. And, and again, you know, when, when, you, when you read this book, it, one reason, I'm sort of jumping ahead here a little bit. It's okay. One reason it failed, it failed as a novel, was Fitzgerald wrote right over the top of the heads of his readership. Mm. He went right over the top because it's so packed up. Yeah. The, the eloquence of that prose, that story of this little bootlegger in Long Island, you know, who, who has, wants the golden girl, who wants it all, which is the American dream, and, and he fails, of course, horribly. Um, he, Fitzgerald tells this little story, and and his readers were sort of baffled. It was short. It was it was sort of a strange little torrid story, and so this also sort of contributed to its ultimate failure yeah. when it came out. Let me ask you personally, though, in in reading that you you, you began your writing career as a fiction writer, and I would right. think that that the Gatsby would be a kind of intimidating cloud hanging over your fiction writing. Was that the case? Um, I think it was so much, definitely something to aspire to. Yeah. Uh, I, I read so much Fitzgerald that, um, you know, it, it inevitably, as all writers do, you, you sort of read the writers that you want to emulate or at least aspire to. So you say, well, I'm not going to be that good, but maybe I can come close. <laughs> <laughs> you know? so, I do. So after reading... Yeah, after reading lots of his prose, you know, it sort of starts to seep in, seep into you. And, you know, and his relationship to the written word is much stronger than mine will ever be because I grew up reading books, but he grew up reading poetry. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so he, just, he just had that gift, uh, of the, also the Irish gift of, of words. and and uh, But, yeah, it definitely, you know, Gatsby's this bar up there. And, again, the, as you know, when I opened the book, I had him going from bookstore to bookstore in 1938, looking for his own book. I'm going to read. I'm going to read some of that because I, as you know, uh, Bill Hazelgrove, I'm, a, I'm very, very fond of your writing and, and the many books that I've written about you writing. Uh, Bill has a way of finding uh, topics that that need to be read and need to be heard about. You know, Edith Wilson being. Truly, the first female president in not in name, but but acting that way. That was a fascinating book, Bill. We'll be back to talk about uh, about the sad, and it is a terribly, terribly, I find sad life of uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald in the book and about writing the novel that uh, William Hazelgrove says is the great American novel. We'll be back in a couple minutes. My guest, William Hazelgrove, on telephone is the author most recently of Writing Gatsby, the real story of the writing of the greatest American novel. I mentioned during the last segment uh, one of his previous books, Madam President, The Secret, 
presidency of Edith Wilson is is that about to or in the in development somehow built to be, perhaps become a movie or a series? Yeah, it is. It's actually Trevor White, uh, the producer of King Richard, LBJ, and the Post. Uh, this is Michael Moskowitz did the script. That's all done, and now they're lineup director. So that will be a movie. Yeah, uh, it's been in, uh, what a fascinating a what a fascinating story. You've written, you know, maybe ten novels, eleven nonfiction titles. You've you've hit upon, you know, the the Titanic, uh, Al Capone. <laughs> uh, you you have a real great eye, and even in this one. I think uh, your fascination with Fitzgerald and his writing, you called his style elegant, and I think that is really true. But here, from the latest book, Writing Gatsby, is the end. When he died, in not the end of the book, but the end of a certain sure. life. Uh, when he died in 1940, there were copies of The Great Gatsby in the Scribner Warehouses. These copies were from the original print run in 1925. The book had not gone out of print. Worse, it just didn't sell. The final royalty statement sent to Scott in 1940 was for $2.10 for the sale of seven copies of The Great Gatsby and nine copies of Tender is the Night. The reviews on Gatsby had been mixed, and many had dismissed the book as nothing more than a sensational story. The publication of The Great Gatsby did not change the author's life in any significant way. And here's an important note, ladies and gentlemen. But in the end, the 50,000-word novel became a triumph of the artist over the Philistine, the bright, brilliant lights over the darkness. The reviews were they weren't savage, Bill Hazelgrove, but they were they were pretty tough, weren't they? Yeah, they were. They were mixed. I mean, you know, T. S. Eliot, among others, said, "Well, this is the first step American fiction has taken." But a lot of people went after him. Again, it was viewed as a, a, a little story, a torrid story. It wasn't very long, and in uh, of course, financially, it just was an absolute failure to the point where the following Christmas. There were none of his books in the bookstores. You could not find The Great Gatsby. And and as you know from reading the book, the book disappears. Yes. World War II comes along, and they create they have what's called Armed Services Edition, mm-hmm. which are, for your listeners, little printed on two sides, cheap paperbacks. They're sending over to all those GIs. Millions of these things go across. About 300,000 Gatsby goes across. And these guys, between fighting the Japanese and the Germans and everybody, Read this strange little story of a bootlegger in 1925. Yeah, I know. Right? They, just, they read this strange little story, and then they come back, and they become teachers, journalists, professors, all sorts of walks of life. And they tell people, they go, you know, I read this story of the great Gatsby. And, you know, this Fitzgerald fellow, he's a pretty good writer. And that, <laughs> begins, that begins the Fitzgerald Renaissance, which Malcolm Cowley grabs onto it, comes out with a portable Fitzgerald all the way through the 50s it grows. Until today, 25 million copies are sold, and, you know, 500,000 sell a year. That, which is just so, astonishing. One of the things, Bill, that that embellishes that title, the great American novel, is the lifestyle of, of Scott and Zelda and this, the tragic end to his life, you know, dying at, in his 40s of a heart attack brought on by... Right. Excessive, excessive boozing. 
that helps embellish it, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Scott had it all against him. You know, he wasn't uh, Hemingway. Hemingway was at his zenith during this time, you know, living off his wife's fortune, going on great safaris. Scott was grinding out in Hollywood, his wife's in a sanitarium, uh, you know, at the end. And, and, and so his was a, a life of struggle the whole time. And and yet he, he, you know, he glimmered. He said before he died, he said, you know, I may have contributed in my own unique way something to American literature that will last. So mm. he knew it was good. But, but like many writers, he saw no success in his time. Yeah. And so when uh, this book comes back that does sum up the American dream, because, you know, Rick, that, there's great lines at the end, you know, so we so beat we, on, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take it from here, sure. so we beat on boats against the current, born back ceaselessly into the past, Yeah, grabs, grabs the duality of our life, right? We're always looking over our shoulder at that agrarian life that we had as a young country with all these little towns. And we're always bewildered by the urban landscape. So it's that great duality that he grabbed with that line that that nails the American dream to the wall. Tell me again what happened. It's one of the great falling outs of any kind of friendship. At one point, he and Hemingway were very, very close, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's brutal. Uh, He actually is the reason Ernest Hemingway got published by Scribner's and and he took him to Max Perkins and when he was his unknown in Paris. And Hemingway, like so many other people who helped him, turned on him oh. and just pilloried him in any time he could in the press, even in his books. And Hemingway believed that, you know, victor takes all and you destroy all competition. And he saw Scott as competition. And, and so you're right. I mean, Scott looked up to Hemingway. He actually thought Hemingway was a better writer than he was. Mm. And, and yeah, and and yet, yet, when the dust settles, and you can read this side of paradise, and you can read Farewell to Arms, or rather, or the sun also rises, or yeah, the sun all rises. Right, right. I mean, yes, it's good, but it doesn't translate the way, say, The Great Gatsby does, which mm-hmm. is, you know, can be read. And and you know, we've seen several movies made. And it's a hard book to make into a movie because that elegant prose, when you say, when Robert Redford or somebody says, can't repeat the past on sport, of course you can. It sounds so silly and hackneyed. <laughs> yes, right? exactly, exactly. <laughs> but in the, book, in the book, it's one of the central themes because he hits on this American theme of you can reinvent yourself. You can become somebody else. And that's what Jay Gatsby did, right? From this poor dirt farmer of parents up in Minnesota, he comes down and turns into oh. Gatsby. Yeah, this, this man of riches, this man of elegance, which of course he wasn't. Yeah, wow. Uh, what's the, the response? We started this entire conversation talking about the response you have been hearing from people who do they want to argue with you, and if they do, do they make any sense in their argument about? Well, I think the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn is the great American novel. Yeah, you know, whenever you make a big blanket statement, like I made the greatest American novel, yeah, people come back and they say, how can you say that it's not the greatest American novel? You know, some people say, oh, it's, it's just, that was just a, a commercial story. Um, you know, there's much greater works. Uh, I mean, and, and getting back to when Fitzgerald died, his obit omitted the great Gatsby, New yeah. York Times, yeah. and said he was just this drunk who never lived up to his talent, and they didn't even mention it. They did not even mention it. You know, yet, 
yet this little literary bobble rolled off from this tree, you know, at the end of the war, and then just kept just has kept growing ever since. And they just can't stop making movies about it. They can't stop making plays about it. So because because Gatsby is that American character yeah. that we wanted yeah. as, as as the very things that we strive for, you know, start to undermine us. And that's what Fitzgerald defined. He yeah. just saw the, the you know. And by the way, I'm going to slip this in. In the book, what I found out was Gatsby mirrored Fitzgerald's life, just uh, dead on. No question. No, no question. Uh, you know, it. it uh, it just it's some book uh bill and you were such a great researcher you can look at you know if you'd like to people look at the back and and see all of the reading that uh and research that william hazelgrove has done for this book and it uh i think it was a great way to it, it's not a in a, in essence a biography of of fitzgerald it's more like a biography of this particular book is the way yeah. i kind of see it is that the way you see it too bill Absolutely. Yeah. I like taking a you know, like I like taking a slice and saying this is emblematic <laughs> of this person's life. And and you know, I got the idea by reading a biography of Dickens of how, you know, a Christmas carol came about. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. well, is there is there a story behind Gatsby? And there was. There was this tragic story where his living character Zelda has a, an affair, you know, while she while he's writing the book, she she tries to commit suicide while he's writing the book. He essentially Rick sacrifices his own marriage for that novel yeah. because at the end of it, it he, he, the, writing that book had destroyed his marriage. Yep. And destroyed yep. him in a way. In a way. You because know, pretty it much just, it was downhill after you know, that. Yeah, it's a tragic shadow that attends William Hazelgrove's latest titled Writing Gatsby, the real story of the writing of the greatest American novel. He makes a very strong case for that being the greatest American novel. And it's easy to read at 50,000 words, too, I'll tell you that. Bill, uh, great success on the Edith Wilson movie and or TV series or whatever it's going to be. And uh, right. Right. just keep writing so I'll have stuff to write about. Okay? Absolutely. And thanks for having me again. Anytime, Bill. You're a great guest on the show. Take care of yourself. Okay. Thank you. Thanks.